Welcome to the Green Report Podcast, brought to you by the Texas Nursery and Landscape Association. I'm Paul Winsky with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, your program specialist for the green industry. The Green Report Podcast will bring you current information on the industry, highlight businesses, and current research that can help your company be successful. Before we get started, here's a brief message from our sponsor the Texas Green Industry Safety Group. In this industry, protecting your business starts with protecting your employees. And that's especially important when they're behind the wheel. Motor vehicle crashes are the number one cause of workplace fatalities in Texas, but there are steps you can take to keep your drivers safe. And step one is contacting Texas Mutual Insurance Company. They created the Texas Green Industry Safety Group specifically for businesses like yours. And they can help you train your drivers to buckle up, slow down, avoid distractions, and stay alert on the road. Plus, as a safety group member, you'll save an average of 12% on your workers' comp premium and have the chance to earn an extra dividend every year. If safety and savings sound good to you, get started today by talking to your agent or visiting texasmutual.com slash texasgreenindustry. Welcome to today's uh, Green Report podcast. Uh, I have two guests today. Um, actually, they are up in Lubbock. So today I will be talking with James and Allison Burry, who are the owners of Environmental Landscape Solutions. Uh, James and Allison, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. We're happy to be here. Great to be here. All right. Well, I had the pleasure of meeting both of you uh, just recently when I was up for the uh, West Texas workshop. Um, and that program went over really well. I was uh Really impressed with it, and I again, I want to thank you for the uh, the privilege to uh, speak up there at that program. Well, we sure appreciated you being there and, and speaking. It was very meaningful, I think, to the attendees, and so thank to you, Paul. All right. Well, let's let's get into it. Um, how about question for the both of you? Um, how about giving uh, uh, our listeners a brief background of, you know, of you guys, you know, what you do, what your company is, and how you got started in the horticulture industry? So, um, so I will talk a little bit about myself, and I'll let James then jump right in, because we have very different backgrounds, and, and then we'll kind of meld into the company itself. Um, but I, I come from a technology and operations background not from horticulture. And um, once James and I were, were married um, eight years ago and and he was already in the industry and, and had a business running and we decided to, to take it to a different, um, that's when I jumped into horticulture. And so I've been using my business background since then and absolutely have always had a, a love of horticulture, but man, do I love this business and love this industry and all that it has to offer. So it's been very eye-opening for me since the first TNLA Expo that James took me to and and uh, and have just loved every minute since and certainly love working with James alongside him and, and building the business. So I'll let him talk a little bit about his background. All right, James, it's all yours. My background is considerably more horticulture. I uh, started at A&M in engineering and fortunately had an uncle that invited me to work at a grower in South Alabama as a, as a college student and got exposed to the the growing side of the industry and then got exposed to what was in the Southern Nurserymen Association and their show in Atlanta and then uh, 
the TAM show is, uh, or the Texas Association of Nurseman show back in the day in, um, in Dallas that first year. Uh, it was like, wow, I can, uh, I can be in agriculture that I want, uh, but these people are making a living and uh, they seem to like it. And, and I absolutely loved working as a grower. Uh, started in propagation, um, did that for about 10 years, uh, moved into the supply side, uh, and then both chemical fertilizer, et cetera, and then into straight into uh, as a chemical rep. So I kind of done the gamut in the industry, but 10, uh, well, 2008, uh, I moved back to Lubbock and um, decided to try my uh, hang out a shingle and call myself a landscaper and been very blessed to to develop a following and, and develop a business in 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 the last eight years with with Allison's help we've we've grown tremendously in in reputation and in scale and in uh, in professionalism so it's 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 a wonderful partnership to be in all right well good so i i guess so one, one question i i would have then is so you've built the business um and and james you you've seen you've been in the industry much longer so you you've seen changes and things like that um but what really what makes um els different maybe from your competitors what what, what do you think is what do you think is the thing that makes you guys different compared to some of the other landscapers uh, that are in the area? When when I moved back to Lubbock, uh, I spent some time with some other friends in the industry here and, and looked at landscape and, and and I had a firm belief that water-wise landscaping is, is the direction that was just wise for Lubbock. And, but the, the water-wise landscapes were true not Xerix, they were Xeroscapes. They were just zero appeal. It was like, let's spread some gravel and call it a Xeroscape, or let's do full on, you know, fescue lawn and, and, and annuals. And so it's like, no, you can still have quality design, but with water-wise plants. And that's, that's really been my mission is to, to try to, to mail those two in, in, and I feel like we're if we're successful at it, that whatever stylistic, whether you want a more of an English garden feel with lots of plants and lots of blooming perennials, and you know we can do that with a uh, with water wise plantings and and native perennials, and or if you want the the we call it the Tucson look, you know a lot of river rock and gravel and rock features with some uh, beautiful agave and yuccas, we can do that too. It's, but both are equally water wise if they're done well. And so that's been a passion and that's kind of what, what we're most noted for out here. All right. And, and, and that's great because I, I think with those type of designs uh, comes probably a lot of education for your customers. Um, they may have an idea of what they want or they might think, as you mentioned, what they knew from the past um, and, you all are coming in with um, designs that are water wise, but are much more pleasing to the eye. And, and I think that's, that, that, that's a big win and, and letting people know that there's an opportunity to have a good landscape, um, but also be able to, to grow in a drier climate. 
Um, so that's we think so. Uh, the the biggest education is people think you know water wise think first off they think zero scape in and by that I think they mean zero maintenance in in regardless unless your your landscape consists of solely concrete. There's really no zero maintenance landscape out there. They they all require, you know, a, a form of maintenance. And uh, we have we we originally started staying out of the maintenance side, but we have in the last couple of years have added a, a zero scape maintenance uh, as part of our offering, uh, just because uh, people tend to not know how to prune a perennial or or how to handle uh, you know things that have thorns and needles on them so okay so um with your company how, how many employees do you have right now we have 11 and and have a few more coming on board hopefully in the next next quarter okay and is that sort of are you able to hold that number throughout the year do you go up a little bit higher in the spring um or are you able to maintain a, a pretty set number throughout the entire season yeah. So for us, what's been important is is to offer year-round employment for everybody that wants it. We certainly do have interns that come on and off. We have a couple of, of students that work for us in the summer, but otherwise that's about the consistent number. Um, we try and hold with the same teams. We try and make sure everybody is able to, to earn a, a living doing this, support their families. They have full benefits. They have, you know, not only medical insurance, dental vision, but time off, you know, whether it's vacation, paid holidays, sick time, et cetera. But making sure this is a career opportunity for those employees and it's consistent throughout the year has been very important from us from the get go to, to present that as the opportunity for all of our employees. So what challenge? And it. I think that's great. I, I mean, every everything that you're doing in order to to keep that consistency, and I think if you can keep that consistency, it probably shows through in 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 your results in the in the products that you guys are able to to put together. But what challenges are you seeing with the workforce these days that maybe you, you didn't see? You know, James, you've been in it a while, ten years ago or so. Um, what what what's really you know might keep you up at night? with regard to um, the workforce? The the challenge we've, yeah, there's always challenge, you know, finding the right people. Uh, we've been very fortunate in retaining good people. And, uh, and so that's not been our biggest challenge. Our biggest challenge is understanding them. Uh, Allison and I are both exceedingly driven people. And if we're awake, we're working. And that's just, we don't get away from it because we love it. Um, and we think, you know, everybody needs, you know, and expects 40 hours a week and, and, you know, plans on that. And, and, and we do do overtime, but sometimes the other weeks fall a little short. And early on, we were scratching our head, figuring out ways we can make them get to 40. And, and finally it dawned on us that most of them would rather have, you know, 34 hours and some time on all, at home doing their own thing, then then us make work for them for those extra four or five six hours, and, uh, and it was just it was hard for two driven people to understand that you know they'd rather have time off, uh, but once we did, both of us got a lot more happy. 
<laughs> you know, they were happy. They got to do what they wanted. And, and we weren't, you know, wishing they'd gotten more work done in those extra five hours than, than they did because they felt like we we're, you know, almost punishing them for making them stay when we thought we were rewarding them by giving them the hours. And it, once we came to the understanding, it, it, it was, in understanding that that's a pretty common motivation for them, you know, they, they don't mind getting off a little early if they can. So. And, and so um, how, how did you realize that? Was that by just talking with them? Was it, or did someone come, you know, did one of the employees say, Hey, we don't mind, you know, I, I don't need the 40 hours. I, I don't mind if I, if I hit 35 and I can go home and chill out for a while. I mean, how did you, how did you come to that realization? It was a matter of frustration. I was mad one day because we'd had them doing some, it was, it was make work. I mean, there's nothing as critical and, and they got virtually nothing done. And, and I came home and, and talked to Allison and said, I just, they don't want to be there. I think, you know, I think we just need to, you know, let them go when we're short. And, uh, and Allison said, well, we'll ask them. And so we had a we have morning meetings on Mondays, uh, and we ask them, "Hey, when we get to this situation, do you do you guys would you rather you know, us keep you and figure out something for you to do to make forty hours, or would you rather go home?" And it was quickly unanimous, go home. And so, well, you know that why were we banging our heads against the wall? And right. it, it was us. If we would ever ask them, I don't think they would have ever answered it any different. It mm-hmm. was just there uh that's that was rewarding to them so yeah it's it's knowing the motivation of and you know this is nothing nothing secret nothing you're not going to read in every single business book or, or here you know in a, in a lot of areas but when you understand what makes them tick you're able to reward accordingly and and make sure both parties understand what that motivation is for each person and if it's that additional time off to go spend with family or spend however they want versus the the dollars then then you then you understand that you you build and plan around it you schedule around it and you make sure you're still hitting your client commitments but you know what the reward is you you know you know how to tell them thank you you know with some time off one way or the other excellent that's great advice because i'm sure in the past there probably have been companies and owners that you know it's 40 hours and 40 hours for by golly we're going to have it whether it's you know you're pulling weeds or you're doing something, but it's, it's, you know, you've, you've got to hit that and being open and flexible to work with the crew. Um, I, I think is a, definitely a feather in your cap and probably makes them happier. So, um, that, that, that's really good to hear. So, um, I guess one question for both of you and you, you can take your turn, uh, at answering this. So what's the best advice that's been given to you, um, since you've been in this industry? So I'm going to go first because Allison doesn't take my answer. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's always the reason to go first because then she, she can't say, well, that's what I was going to say. She's got to come up with something. She's got to come up with her own. About two years ago or so, we, we were sitting down with some a supplier that is a real good friends of ours, uh, Linda and, and Lico at West Texas Plants in Terlingua. And we love going down there and we were sitting around having some coffee with them one morning 
and uh, they were asking us, well, do you times do you all take time off? Are you taking vacations? And said, well, we're we're trying to take a day or two here or there. And they go, yeah, we used to be that. Now we take, you know, we'll take a month off at a time. And 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 Elsa and I both looked at her like, how? And they said, you just do it. It's never easy. You just roll in the cost of your vacation. Things are going to break. You're not going to be there to fix. You know, things aren't going to get done that might have got done if you were there. You just roll that all into the cost of your vacation. You go enjoy yourself and you figure it out when you get back in and it's easier said than done, but we did that this summer, and um, you know, we were on the phone with, still trying to solve problems more than we probably should have been. But but it felt good just to get away for a couple of weeks and and recharge the old batteries. So excellent. That's my answer. All right, Allison. So I I don't know that my my answer would be you know since I've been in this industry, what would that be as much as you know, this industry is is much like any industry in, you know, in terms of, um, you know, whether you're an owner, whether you're a manager, whether you're an employee, you know, a lot of the same business rules apply. And, you know, knowing your business and and understanding it is, is something tactical for, for anybody in any industry. Um, and so I, I don't know that I have anything that's that's really specific to, to this industry, per se. Um, I think James answered it very well in terms of, you know, as an owner, you've got to to be realistic on on what your time is and and what you can do and what you can't do, and and how you move forward and and just trusting the team and what they're going to do when you're away and and that's hard. That's hard for anybody. Um, so so I'm I'm not sure that I have a, a real specific for you there, but but what I've loved is ever since being in the industry. It, it is such an open industry in terms of sharing and knowledge and welcoming. Um, you know, you just, yes, people are competitive and people are very driven, um, but they're always willing to help one another and they're always willing to share. And, and it's still about that relationship. You know, um, there's so many things we love about being part of, of TNLA and the folks that we meet and, you know, having the friends slash mentors that we do in this business. Um, so it's it, there's a lot to be said for for this particular industry and all that it has to offer and all that an association like TNLA um, offers in, in front of all of us and, and what those folks, those other members do for one another is just always to me absolutely amazing. Whether it's our suppliers and or other folks that we're networking with or the the pack and you know how the green industry is being represented out there. It's just, it's been a really neat thing to be a part of. So I, I have a hard time pinpointing that, Paul. I'm sorry, I did not okay. answer that no. very well at all. <laughs> no, that, that's fine because, it, it, you know, you, you you mentioned TNLA and I guess, my, you know, my next question was going to be, and um, and you may have answered this already, Allison, but I'll, I'll pose it to you since you haven't been in, I guess, the green industry as long, but how has TNLA helped you uh, to sort of broaden your understanding of the green industry? Um, you know, because because James has been in it a while, he's seen different sides of it. Um, but for you, how has TNLA helped you out to sort of get you get you up to speed? Yeah, um, from the get go, almost right after we in, incorporated, one of the first things James said was, "Okay, 
there we're going to expo, you know, I mean, he mentioned tan earlier and, mm. you know, and so he was very familiar way before TNLA be became TNLA as it is today. And he said, this, this is where we need to get you, you know, your first year out, you're, you're going to see so many different people. You're going to meet so many different suppliers. So just being part of that expo, meeting new suppliers, seeing new opportunities each year has driven our business to a different level. There's somebody, something every single year, um, but the education they offer, whether it's the education at Expo, whether it's the education at the Lone Star Court Forum, just all these different opportunities, um, just at your fingertips, at the ready has been a big deal for me. Um, whether it's on the business side, you know, they have a business track, they have the irrigation side, they have the nursery side, they have, you know, I mean, it's, it, it really is amazing to me all that TNLA is able to provide to its members and beyond. Um, the relationships that we've developed have made just a tremendous difference in what we're able to bring back to Lubbock for our clients and what we're able to provide as an overall organization. Um, we're both, you know, big supporters of the PAC, the Political Action Committee, and what it's doing for our industry overall. I mean, there's just so much happening, whether it's, you know, a particular city wanting to go all battery powered, or we're looking at water regulation, or, you know, all those different areas, they're looking out for us and they're providing us the information that's important for us to be able to move forward, to really understand what is coming down the pipeline that could impact us as well. Um, and how can we take part in that conversation? How can we take part with government to help shape and make these decisions moving forward? So there's there's a lot that TNLA has provided and and it's all out there. And that was, I think, the biggest eye opener is it's all right there to be had and, and so welcoming. And it's just it's been it's been a, a really neat experience all the way around. James, anything to add from your perspective since you've you know, you 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 went to, to, to meetings or the expo when it was called TAN. Um, so how, how have you seen the overall role maybe of TNLA change in the years that you've been in the industry? The the sectors have changed. Uh, you know, when I started out, the 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 mother mom and pop garden centers were still pretty much the king, and uh, you know, soon after they merged with the the Landscape Association, became TNLA. Uh, but the 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 landscape portion of the industry is is continuing to grow rapidly. As we as we have fewer people installing their own plants and more people wanting you know wanting a professional install and design done, uh, it, it's it's it just still surprises me just you know how much disposable money is out there for for our industry for landscape industry and uh, you know I'm grateful for it for sure uh, it's. You know, they're not, they're no longer, are, are the segment that's going to the big box and looking for the cheapest plant in town is, is, is not a growing segment. I don't, I don't, in our vision, the growing segment is someone that's wanting a, 
professionally installed, whether it's just a front yard makeover or a bed makeover or a full lot makeover, they're wanting you know professional advice and and they're wanting more instant gratification. So so do you think they are becoming better educated on plants and landscaping? Or is it more like as you just said, the instant gratification? Or is it a little bit of both? It's a little bit of both. I mean, we certainly have clients that are, you know, very educated and, and involved and compelled to learn all they can about, you know, the landscape and the, the availability of plants and the, the, you know, natives. And, and then you've got, we have some that say, you know, you know, I don't have time for this. I have a full-time career doing X and, you know, but, but it is important to me have a beautiful environment and, you know, let's work together to create that. And then, you know, and now y'all, you, you know, you and your team come in and, and help us maintain it. But I also think to, to add to that, you know, part of it is we have a lot of folks come to us. How do I have a beautiful environment and spend less on water? You know, this is a resource I know we need to take care of that. I think we, we have seen even just in the last, you know, number of years, uh, a much higher number of folks coming to us saying, you know, help help me take care of this resource. You know, I want it to look beautiful, but but I need help to get there. I need I need a design. I need the install. I need, you know, some care and education going forward. And we try to empower them to to take care of it themselves if they want to. But also if they need someone to help them with that, you know, we're there to do that as well. Yeah, there's, so there's a lot more awareness in that. Now, there's still some misinformation in in our assessment. You know, they a lot of those people seem to think you know having a turf at all is bad. It's you know it's using all of our water up. And no, that's not necessarily true. We we believe in turf in a in a good setting in a in a properly water managed situation. You know. Throwing water on it four or five times a week is not necessary to have a, a, a green turf. The cooling of a turf is good. You know, so we're, we, we try to be, uh, provide as much education to, to what we know to be true to our clients. And, uh, you know, but ultimately we, they, they are, you know, they are our boss and, if they want zero grass, then we figure out the best way to provide them a product that is, meets their needs with zero grass. Or if they if they want uh, turf grass, you know, you know, we are absolutely fine with that. And and we figure out what you know you know what grass you know do we use a Bermuda or a buffalo instead of a fescue that is you know going to take a lot of water up here. And so we're we just try to be. Uh, steer them in the water-wise direction in every aspect. Okay. Well, great. Great. So you mentioned, um, you know, you have a, a group of about 11 and you, you guys are up there in Lubbock. So Texas Tech is is, is right up there. Um, I'm sure you probably get some students that work for you either through the summer or maybe internships. So, you know, what type of advice would you give some of these young people as they're considering a career? in the green industry? So my 
my first piece of advice would be to, to educate yourself on, on what's available, what's there. Network as much as possible. You know, go to um, go to any event and or seek those opportunities that are out there because there are so many. Um, you know, whether it's the landscape architect group having the workshop, whether it's the, um, you know, horticulture department at Tech, you know, that has a number of events throughout the year, um, you know, seek those opportunities to learn more, to meet more people. I mean, there's next to nothing as valuable as as meeting folks and, and various folks in the industry. Um, you know, TNLA has a student membership. That's an opportunity. And it's, it's extremely reasonable price wise. And there's always folks in the business that are willing to sponsor those opportunities for students as well. Um, so so learn as much as you can, but meet as many people as you can and and follow your heart. If your heart's telling you that this is the industry that's right for you, um, you know, there are opportunities in every discipline in this business. And so I, I think that the more folks learn about the green industry, um, the the more they realize what the opportunities are out there. Yeah, we uh, we were very fortunate to be asked to speak to an entrepreneurial class at Tech uh, last fall, and uh, we'll be doing it again this fall uh, or in the spring rather uh, when they they present that class again and. The the advice that we wanted to tell our story and tell our passion and tell of our business, but the the overarching theme I wanted to tell them is that that it is a profession. You know, I, I know there is concern by parents: will they be able to make a living if they go into to horticulture? Uh, you know, they they tend to you know think of landscaping as the you know pickup truck and two guys on a mower in the back and 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 don't think that's a, a college career for their for their kids and so we try to explain to them some about the growing side about the uh, you know the opportunities if you wanted to get in sales that there's all kinds of you know marketing type positions within the industry or you know if you you just have a passion for your green thumb i mean you know work for a grower work for a landscape you know there's uh follow your passion and and you will be successful uh in in it doesn't matter if it's business or it's or it's you know the green thumb aspect of it this industry has room for all of those things okay and I think I think one of the things is is letting folks know that there's, you know, STEM is the the big uh, catchphrase now. You know, um, science, technology, and and all that, and all of that actually occurs in our industry. And I, and I think that's yeah. one of the things they just don't realize. Um, yeah. There is math, there is engineering in it. There's there's all this stuff. Um, but I, I, like you said, I think it, they it's more driving around in a truck with some mowers and and but there, there's a lot more to it uh and i think being able to get that word out to the folks is 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 definitely uh, a key so um so let me see we'll be uh, uh, closing it up here pretty soon i've got one question and then we'll we'll close it out so um what has been um maybe one of your favorite projects that you have worked on 
um, whether it was the most challenging or what was one of the, the projects that when they came to you, maybe you thought it was, we can't do this or, you know, any way you want to go with it. Uh, what, what do you think is one of those projects? So early in our uh, business uh, as an LLC, uh, we got introduced to a commercial client uh, which is a regional bank out and they were redoing their headquarters and, and he was very interested in branding everything in his, in the bank's period, but he wanted to step up his, uh, his landscape to reflect the West Texas image and, and, you know, in, you know, in, in style. And uh, a friend of ours was working with him as a designer, working on the actual building design, working on interior design, and recommended us to talk to him about the landscape. And you know, we were so ill-prepared. We knew what we needed to do. We knew, but we didn't have the technology. We didn't have, we, we ended up going in with, you know, five by eight photographs. <laughs> and sharpies and showing them what we've tended to do and and i'm just i cringe now thinking that we went into a you know a multi hundred thousand dollar bids or design situation with with you know big chief tablet and crayons basically <laughs> and, um, but he saw through that he put his faith in us and uh and it really was a launching point for us to uh, to bigger and better things. And in that the CEO that we were presenting to is you know is now I would consider him among our friends. And we've done a number of projects with him at other other locations. And in uh, in Allison and I laugh about it, but almost cry just cringing it. You know these two yahoos that uh, <laughs> somehow still earned the business. Yes, yes, it, it was it was a game changer for us, for sure. The next year we did actually get software. So I will say <laughs> we have moved on from, from hand-drawn design and, and in that instance, literally drawing on photographs with them in the office. But but no, it was a, it was a really great game changer having someone like that believe in you and being able to articulate your vision somehow in a non-traditional way and being able to successfully deliver and then how that carries over um we're a hundred percent repeat or referral business we don't we don't market we don't sell um we're very very blessed with lots of great clients who call us back for the next project or refer us to their friends and family and we've been able to grow the business um that way and it's it's made for for a wonderful clientele and in lots of favorite projects. So that's definitely the the biggest game changer for us. But we've we've got a lot of lot of favorites, I would Good. say. Well, uh, that, that's a great story, and I'm sure maybe other people that are listening, they may have all been had that type of uh, experience. That uh, how did we get here and how did we do it? But we got the business and and we learned from it. So. That's okay. the way it goes. So um, one quick question. So where can people um, learn more about your company? Uh, Facebook, online, what do you guys have in the way of social media, anything? 
So, so we do a little bit, but back to that whole 100% repeat and referral, we're not even SEO optimized on our site. Okay. You know, I know that was actually redundant in saying it, but no, elslubbock.com, we have a website and um, an ELS Lubbock also on Facebook. So we are on Facebook, we, we are on the web, but um, you know, don't, don't post and get out there as much as we should. That's one of the things we keep, keep talking about, but, but some of our projects, who we are, our, our uh, work philosophy and all that is is out there. All right. And my last question is, uh, what's one final thought that you want to leave for our listeners today? James, you want to go first so you can beat beat uh, Allison <laughs> to the draw you, again? You, you already got us down, Paul. This is okay. <laughs> no, we are uh, we are both spiritual people, and and we do literally think. Uh, thank God every day that we are in this industry. Uh, we do truly feel blessed. We don't just say it. Uh, there's, we've been blessed with wonderful mentors throughout the industry, throughout the state, uh, throughout the country uh, that that have helped us and cheerleaded for us when we needed. And uh, it's, I can't imagine a better industry to be in, and there's certainly not one I'd rather be in than uh, than the green industry uh, in in Texas and in the United States. Yeah. I think I think James said that very well, and and we are very blessed in so very many ways, um, and have so much to be thankful for, and and we strive to give back you know that's something i think that we didn't have the opportunity to talk to but you know community service and and what is your business and what are you personally doing to look for those opportunities in the community to where we can all make a difference whether it's you know us in the green industry and or working on hardscapes looking for those opportunities to to do a give back um or someone in a in a different business looking for you know how do you do what's in your wheelhouse somehow and, and help that make a difference in the community as well. So um, there's just, there's so much to talk about, Paul, and you know, so much to be grateful for and, and how do you try and in, in some turn, pay it forward and, and pay back to all those that have given to you. All right, well, I think with that, I, I think that's a great way to close this out. Um, I want to thank both of you, James and Allison, for you know spending some time with me today on the podcast. Uh, I hope it wasn't painful. I hope you enjoyed it. I told you the time goes by quickly once once we get started here. So, again, thank thank you for for your time. Um, and uh, if you are listening, please subscribe to the Green Report podcast wherever you download your podcast. Uh, and stay tuned, and uh, we'll be back in probably about a month with another episode. Thank you for listening to The Green Report. You can find more information about the Texas Nursery and Landscape Association at www.tnlaonline.org. In this industry, protecting your business starts with protecting your employees. And that's especially important when they're behind the wheel. Motor vehicle crashes are the number one cause of workplace fatalities in Texas, but there are steps you can take to keep your drivers safe. And step one is contacting Texas Mutual Insurance Company. They created the Texas Green Industry Safety Group specifically for businesses like yours. And they can help you train your drivers to buckle up, slow down, avoid distractions, and stay alert on the road. Plus, as a safety group member, you'll save an average of 12% on your workers' comp premium and have the chance to earn an extra dividend every year. 
If safety and savings sound good to you, get started today by talking to your agent or visiting texasmutual.com slash texasgreenindustry.